can stop me. I'm all the way up. Welcome in, you are listening to another episode of the Keep the Change Pie podcast. <laughs> the, I was pie, the pie cast. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind a pie, actually. Oh, mate. Favourite pie? Steak and cheese, surely. Oh, I'm pretty impartial with bacon and egg, eh? Bacon and egg, interesting. Yeah, if I'm going to have a pie, it's probably a bacon and egg one. Yeah, what about a butter, uh, butter chicken... Nah, like a curry chance. top. Yeah. Chance, nah. Always found those a bit weird. Yeah. Yeah. You can get some interesting. I remember being in Queenstown once, actually in Arrowtown, and they had, um, you could buy all sorts. You could buy lamb shank and mint pie. Oh, yeah. And I remember having one of those thinking, wow, that should probably be more common. Um, <laughs> that should be more common. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I've been over in Aussie, had a gator pie once. A gator pie? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. Cro- crocodile pie or whatever, you know. Um, as we're gamey. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Australia. Well, today, mate, we're going to be talking about the fact that this is not the time to risk at all. And this is a bit of a reflection on where we maybe came from in 2020, 2021, where people were able to stack cash into the stock market, even a bit of crypto, maybe an NFT, and... Everyone seemed to have a story about, oh, I made 10%, made 15%, 20% and shit. And I remember made doing... 200%. Yeah. Yeah. We did a pot at the time and we were saying, this is not normal. Yeah. Like, these gains are not normal. Yeah. And I feel like we've gone through an entire year in 2022 where it went the other way. And people were like, oh, my account's only down by 10% or... And so the the excitement sort of come out of the market a little bit and whatnot, which is, which is good. It probably needed to happen. But... I reckon that there'd still be people that have that FOMO-ish feeling of, well, I still want to invest or I missed mm. out on those good times. I, I just need to find the thing to to put my cash into. Yeah. The best thing I ever got sort of or ever learned when it comes to risk management, because everything in your life is risk management. Yeah. Hang on, team. We're just adjusting the mic. <laughs> good man. <laughs> Don't want the audio complaints. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think everything in life is risk management, mm-hmm. and because of that, you need to consider the downside every time, because protecting what you start with is more important than any gain. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, just sniffing my Reaper bottle, <laughs> mate. There's something in the fridge. Oh, is there? Yeah, this Bugger. cream. I, I had to tip this this cream out this morning, and it was <laughs> fucking. No one had minimized the downside and <laughs> considered the risk. I opened that thing, and it was just a oh, clump. Yeah, yeah, shout out to Fonterra and Anchor, big fan. <laughs> uh, sorry, minimize the risk. Consider the consider the downside is the yeah because yeah. I and we do not talk about this enough because when stuff's going up in value, like if we look at just like I don't know Tesla last year, two last two years, insane. Yeah, thousands of percent gain. I'm down forty percent. Just FYI. You brought the top again. I did. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, like the downside hurts more. You can have something go up a thousand percent, but you can only have something go down not a hundred. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so making sure that you have an understanding of downside risk. And then if you're going to make bets on shares or even housing, our favorite little humble asset in New Zealand, um, 
you've got to have like a, a mental chat with yourself, eh? Yeah. And to make sure that you're okay with it being possible. And I, I, not to scare you out of taking risk, because that's really important. But like when I look at a, if I'm going to buy a lump of uh, stocks in a company or whatever, I'll actually take my time and be pretty pedantic about learning about it. And then I'll be like, oh, what are the risks and what would make this go down? And like at the moment, there's macro effects in play, which, you know, micro would be looking at the business and, you know, it's it's opportunity to grow and what could stop it from doing that competition and things. Um, and then if I come to a conclusion where I'm like, over the next 10 years, this this company could go up, you know, three, 400%, um, but under a bad macro condition, or if another company came in and did such and such to this, it could go down 25%. I'd probably consider that okay with me um, yep. and know that I'll just sit through it because I'd worked out that it's going to be a 400% gain over time or whatever it might be. Mm. But I'm, I always look at the downside more than the upside. Even in, in my normal life, not even in buying shares and whatever, Bitcoin or whatever that is, um, I'll always protect my downside, eh? Like I try and keep my personal life running costs low uh, like my my regular commitments pretty low, like I go on holidays and buy a nice car, but if anything goes wrong, I can go back to like bare minimums pretty quick. Eh? Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, so my risk is really low. Um, I don't carry even mortgages. I carry very small mortgages, um, and I could go and get a big mortgage, man, but mm. I don't. Yeah, and so I'm pr- I'm pretty conservative in that regard, and it's all about the downside, not the upside. I could have made way more fucking money the last two years if I was buying new builds off the plan and reselling them. Um, I could have done five of them or ten of them and made a million dollars, but I didn't because um, if I got stuck with them, that risk was too high for me and I wasn't okay with that. Some people did it. Yeah, and you wanted to have access to the capital to do things, other things that you'd want to do, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I needed to protect it because I knew I had other things coming up with, with buying another business and or whatever. And what I found over time, um, when you consider that downside risk and then protect sort of what you have and take that a bit more seriously, often opportunities will come up anyway. Yeah. Um, and they're more in your sort of, in your skill set, you know? Um, like my skill set is the mortgage game. And it's been funny, like when I've when I've put some, some cash off to the side, stuff's popped up. Yeah. And I didn't know it was coming. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting one. I just think, yeah, the days of uh, buying Tesla and hoping for it to do a hundred percent return in six months are behind us. Probably not around for a while. Mm. Um, like my gut feeling is that next year there's there's more downside risk. There's definitely going to be stories of like, oh, this fucking shit crypto went to fucking the moon in a thousand percent, and you'll always hear those kind of stories. Um, you'll always hear it on on certain shares and stuff like that. But you'll hear it a week late. Like you, yeah, you're, yeah, not, yeah. you're not hearing it before it's about to happen. Yeah, you're yeah. the one that gets in at the top and and becomes the exit liquidity. <laughs> <laughs> Hi guys. Um, <coughs> so yeah, I just think that there's you have to be able to manage that, and then I think time frame is a really important thing. Yeah. Um, like if you're buying something to own it for twenty years, then the possibility of it doing one bad year is really high. So you know that from the start, so then you manage it and you're like, okay, can I handle that, you know, one bad year or whatever? Mm. Might be next year, might be the year after, whenever it is, just sit through it. 
Yeah. But if you're parking that capital and you don't care about it for 20 years, different story to being like, I'm trying to double my money here. I think you really need to know yourself and who you are because I've seen clients that when they were doing pretty well through 2020, 2021, go and just uh, access credit and buy the future version of themselves and well, tick it up. Well, so hard not to. Remember me yeah. and you? Even me and you were talking like, fuck, should we buy a house? Yeah. <laughs> even Luke. Yeah. Even Luke was like, fuck, I can feel the FOMO a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's this new build thing that everyone yeah. talks about? Yeah. So but, it's it's really hard to stay away from that because it just feels like everyone else is printing money around you and you're not keeping up. Yeah. Um, But, you know, like that whole period... I've heard it said before, Warren Buffett sat on $120 billion worth of cash and now look what he's going to be able to buy with it. Mm. Stuff a lot cheaper. Yeah, He still hasn't even deployed it yet. That's going to be interesting to watch. Mm. Yeah, so, you know, as an example, some clients, and I think people can, we can look at business to start with and then go back to personal. So they could get borrowing based on how much their business was making and some of the borrowing, I'd be like, wow, that's no, that's ballsy. I don't think I'd be extending myself that far, let's say. But they would do it. They wanted these things. And now I could get to watch, like, okay, how does 2022 go for them? And it's been, like, okay. But I think they have to. Like, you've got to know yourself. Can you continue to make that level of income? Mm. Otherwise, everything that you've tried to tick up is now at risk. And I think that's where a lot of financial stress and pressure comes from. So for me, that's, you're already, like you are going all in, but it's not how people would see it because I think when people talk about going all in, they're like, oh, you've put all of your money into a stock or into, you know, one finally, final gambling hand or something. But people will go all in on the future life that they want and get it sooner, which is fine. Like, you know, if you can then figure out, like I say, if you know yourself, how you can make that work. The, the piece that I reckon people forget is that your circumstances could change and you're not going to know. So have you decreased your risk in that space, i.e. income protection insurance or something like that? But this is where for an individual, they might not be in business, but they have a level of income and then their partner does too. And then they map out everything in their future as being exactly like that. But things can change. Mm. I guess... We're not going to know, but even with big decisions where you go, shit, this is a little bit out of my comfort zone, you've got to find ways to then put some comfort back into it. Like, do I have a plan B if one of us was pregnant or got sick and couldn't work? What is life going to look like through those scenarios? And actually go through your all-in decision-making right now for like the dopamine and excitement of buying this whatever okay, what does it look like in two years, five years, and, and actually explore that. And we spoke about that in a recent podcast around taking on debt and things, but it's so easy to access leverage now, mm. and we think, well, we better because we've got to keep up with everyone else, that we are in some way, shape, or form going all in, I think. And whether you do or you don't is fine, but I would suggest at least scenario plan what could go wrong mm. so that you know before that does happen if it were to happen what you'd do whether it be someone losing their job uh, or not having enough money to be able to make a mortgage repayment what are you actually going to do in that time yeah like for me I've got a few cars and stuff like that that 
I really like. But when I work out what the asset values are, if I had if shit hit the fan and I had to like you know protect everything just so I could live, I worked them out at fire sale value. Fire sale value. So like I've I might have a car that's worth seventy grand, in my in my plan B net worth calculator when everything sh- hits the fan. I've got one of those. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> I know that I can get a job paying a certain amount and I can sell the 70 grand car for 35K. Like 30 grand. Like that's how I work it out. Yeah. Even though like every single one on Trade Me is 70. You know, like I just, if normally when shit hits the fan, it's it can compound. <laughs> Overly prudent. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what it, what it does for me, and you know, there's a chance that that never happens. Mm. But what it does for me is it's it's protecting the downside. So now in my head, because I've limited my downside risk to basically like, ah, even in my worst case scenario, I'll be sweet. Now I can go and do the risky stuff a bit more and there it is. Take a punt in the recessions and whatever it is. Yeah. Um you know, and it allows me to do that because I can't do it without it. Like I've just have a fucking mental block, man. Yeah. I've done I've lived through big downside stuff before and I know what it feels like and it's not nice when you lose a lot of value in a certain stock or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you just, I replanned and started valuing cash a bit more to be honest. Well, we could touch on that because that's part of this convo and what I was thinking about earlier today. So Taz and I jointly save an amount every week for a long time and yep. just pump it straight into a couple of index funds. Mm-hmm. And I said to her today, just a heads up, I've paused that. We're just going to stack cash because I come up with this uh, little equation here, mate. At the moment, liquidity is greater than inflation plus uncertainty. So what that means is, Ooh. you like that? Yeah. I would rather have access to that cash yeah. and that it's liquid than be at the risk um, of shit in the market just going down and I've got that level of uncertainty mm. and inflation as well. I know it's going to eat it, but I'm still I'm going to value more liquidity. The access to it instantly. Yeah. Yeah, so what's interesting is um, even Adrian Orr brings this up. And going back to his monetary policy statement in November 2021, which we talked about previously on a podcast when he said you guys should stop buying houses. Um, Markets can change. In that statement, he said, um, like, asset liquidity is only there when you don't need it, and liquidity vanishes when you do need it. So, which basically means that the, the time that you need the cash the most out of the house that's you over-mortgaged or, you know, you borrowed to buy stocks or whatever, you need to sell them, there's no buyer on the other side. Yeah. But if it's just sitting there in a bank account, a transactional account with 1% interest or less, you've got the security there to be able to basically take on a risk or if something goes wrong, you can fix it quickly. Um, so security becomes a massive part of it, right? And that's protecting yourself from downside risk. Often it removes upside potential as well. Mm. But that's the price you have to be willing to pay when you do it. Um, and I think it's smarter in the current conditions, eh? Although, like you and me were saying yesterday, 
the place is humming out there. Yeah. So, no recession in 2023, guys. False alarm. <laughs> yeah, false alarm. <laughs> but there's people that, I know what will pop up this year. It'll be, oh, should I invest or should I pay down debt? And I think the piece that people miss with the reward for paying down debt, like you always say, is no one ever says to you, oh, I regret paying off my mortgage. But yeah. what we did the other day on the pod was actually look at what time does this save me in terms of repaying my mortgage or my debt and what does it save me in, in total interest? And it's the impact of um, compounding. Yeah. But people are going, oh, but I, I wouldn't mind having some Air New Zealand stock because, you know, I think that, I think that you know, the planes are going to start flying around the bloody joint more, so then to I'm going to make what? some more pay cash. pay off your mortgage that you didn't pay off earlier later? Yeah. You know, like it's, I think paying off a mortgage, I call, when I talk to clients, I call it reverse compound because it's effectively that's what you're doing. The bank... You are the compound interest to the bank. Um, they're compounding you, basically. And um, if you pay it off faster, every time you make an extra repayment or pay off more, it always goes towards the loan principal. So if you have $1,000 left and you pay off 500 that means interest is only being paid off $500 worth now, not the 1000 of the last payment. Got you. And people, I guess, they just look at the payment overall and just sort of, you know, sit and forget. Um but yeah, man, love paying down debt, eh? Yeah. I love people that do it. Mm. Um, and like I, I always say, eh, it's a bit of, I ripped it off from that Dave Ramsey guy a little bit, but basically it's so true. Like I've never heard someone come to me and be like, wish I never paid that mortgage off. Yeah. It's n- I've never heard it, you know, yeah. and I've had people pay off their loans and they're ecstatic. It's the other way around. Mm. Um, and that's sort of like, you know, long-term goals versus instant gratification type stuff. I reckon what's probably really hard for people is that they might finally, you know, someone actually asked me this the other day. They've, they've been listening to Keep the Change and whatnot and they've tidied up all of their consumer debt and they've built themselves an emergency fund mm. and they're basically like, what's next? Like, how do I find financial freedom? Mm. I'm like, whoa, that's a big... There's and a learning curve there. Yeah, like not many people even achieve financial freedom, and we all have a different definition of that. But just getting your consumer debt cleaned up and then having an emergency fund, you're probably just at the stage of actually building the foundation of your finances. But in a day and age where not many people can even do that, mm. then you think like, oh fuck, well I've got to here. Like, what? You know, surely I just clock it from here. But it's no, that's kind of resetting back to what it should basically be standard. Mm. No debt and some form of cash to lean on should you need to. Yeah, the the next part of your journey, a lot of the time getting rid of consumer debt and personal loans and car loans or whatever they are, that can actually happen quite quickly. Um, when you commit and, and lock yourself down and get into it, it can, you know, I've seen some big consumer debt stuff, but basically like an, a, a couple on an average, you know, just above average income if they've got like 30 grand worth of personal loans on high interest rates and shit. Doing that correctly, you can do that in a couple of years max. Yeah. Um, quite easily. Really put your head down. Yeah, really yeah. put your head down. Financial freedom, that's like a 10, 20 year thing. Yeah. So it's a very different game. Um, bar winning lotto or building the new Facebook, which is highly unlikely. Which will take probably 20 years as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a completely different game and that's why... The two aren't even related, but you can't do the second without the other. Mm. Yeah, there's not really anything similar. 
And then I reckon what happens is people, so they clean up the debt and then they get some funds for an emergency and then they might stack, let's say, 10 grand. Mm. They might take a year to actually stack that 10 grand. And they look at it and go, well, what can you actually do with 10 grand? That's tough. Yeah. And that's where I think people go, yeah, they go, well, fuck it. I'm going to roll it all into Tesla or I'm going to roll it all into New Zealand or... Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, my mate told me that this thing's the the go. I'm gonna chuck some cash into that, and I think that's the that's the real danger because when you get to that 10k, you realise, hmm, there isn't still isn't much you can do. Put a you lot can't, of time, effort, and sacrifice into this, and then it doesn't really help me much. Yeah, look back a year. Okay, cool. I've built it, and then you go to an auction on a Saturday, and they laugh at you and be like, "Fuck, mate, what are you doing here? You can't buy a house." Mm. You know. So that's where I reckon you've then got to decide what your next goal is. And then go and meet with, say, a mortgage advisor, for instance, or start your learning to go, how am I actually going to be able to achieve that? Okay, if you want to buy a house, what's that look like in your region? What deposit are you going to need? What's your level of income? And actually then have a plan built for you to then get going on that. Otherwise, I reckon you do run the risk where you go, well, I can't buy a house for this 10 grand. I can't buy whatever. I'm going to go blow it on a car or I'm going to go roll it into into Tesla stocks and just Mm. see what happens. Yeah, I think that is exactly what happened the last couple of years. Mm. Um, like that that Wall Street bets Reddit community, that shit's hilarious. Um, but these guys are <laughs> out the gate. Um, it's just basically that though. It's like I'm I'm 28 years old. I've been saving it my whole fucking life. I've got 18 grand. I'm all in. Yeah. Fuck this. Like if I continue like this. At 65, I've got 120 grand. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. So they're like, if I lose it, I'm in the same position. If I leverage bloody 100% 10x it, then multi-millionaire. Mm. You know, and then there's some value in that. But a lot of people don't understand the downside risk until it happens to them. And I think you definitely have to consider it up front. Yeah. And you're most likely that you're going to end up losing a lot. Because you're going into that I don't care met yeah. attitude. And then yeah. you'll you'll find another risk to take. Mm. Yeah, I think Patrick Bet David talks about that where he he's huge on cash. Yeah, but he he went right at the start of his journey. He went to Vegas and just rinsed everything, yeah. trying to like just get rich quick. Yeah, and then realized, oh fuck, he learned the hard way. Yeah, and now he's like sits on cash and pulls. He uh, accepted Elon Musk CEO thing today. Did he ask him? Uh, someone tagged him in the question. Yeah. And then said, yep, I'll do it for a dollar salary a year. Five years, we'll make it a trillion dollar company. Wow. Imagine if that came off. That'd be an interesting combo. Jeez, interesting. Okay, that'd be worth keeping an eye on. Um, I did see, we were speaking recently about how it's never been a harder time to buy a property for a first-home buyer than since 2004, based on the metrics that they use, and that is how much disposable income you have left to either save or pay for your home and those types of things. Well, today I saw this article where a chief economist probes whether giving up on their home ownership dream is why many young people have speculated on cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, you know, this I'd imagine the demographic of this website would be mostly older people. Mm-hmm. But this has attracted hundreds or 108 comments at the stage of, of looking at this, and it's probably only an article that's maybe um, you know, five hours old. And so many people are agreeing, like, yeah, I think that people have, younger people have, have thought, okay, home ownership can't be achieved anymore, then yeah, am I just going to roll my 18 grand into something? It's interesting, eh? Because I know 
uh, a few guys that quote unquote made it in crypto, made a lot of money. First thing they did, went out and bought real estate. Yeah. Because they were smart enough to get out at the top or whatever and they're like, I'm probably not going to fuck around with crypto anymore. Yeah. Like, and out gone. Yep. And um, it's interesting, eh? Like, real estate's a really big thing, and it's not a... Ch- like, if, if if there's a a group of people that, yeah, like like you say, 10, 18 grand or whatever you could do after you've tidied yourself up, and then you're like, oh, shit, I'm like 180 grand away from a a house deposit still. Mm. It seems like a long road. Um, And then it's like, do I do this 10 to 15-year savings plan, or do I just go and take a punt on dog shit coin or whatever yeah. it is you know yeah um and then maybe crack it so this yeah. this is like they call it gambling which is fair gambling with the deposit for a home risks more than a monetary loss if you lose the deposit you lose the social status associated with home ownership and potentially <laughs> the independence potentially the independence that property ownership can bring no one wants to be living in their parents basement in their 40s because of reckless investment decisions in their 20s <laughs> <laughs> well, I was living at my parents' house in my thirty, uh, my late twenties, because of uh, this is this is explaining downside risk. Mm. Now it goes on to say, you know, in America, a majority of people aged between eighteen and twenty nine live with their parents. The first time since the Great Depression, so that must mean more people like living with their parents. And it says the story is repeated across the OECD. In most OECD countries, a majority of people aged between twenty to twenty nine live with their parents and the share still in their parental home has increased over the past 15 years in 20 of those countries. The increasing share of younger people excluded from the housing market coincides with an increase in house prices around the world. Mm. I mean, this is exactly what we spoke about in that podcast about, you know, is this the worst time to buy property for first home buyers, which the data says yes. So this makes sense. Then the flow-on effect is, okay, I'll stay at home longer, which Mm. is probably smart because then you can potentially save up. Yeah, but you also might lose it in dog coin. Yeah, so you've got to then. <laughs> so I think, you know, summary a little bit, you've got to, at each, wherever you are in your financial journey, you've still got to sit back and actually reflect where are you, where do you want to get to, and then how are you going to set goals to do that, and then how are you going to give yourself some accountability to do it. Otherwise, you run the risk of basically just blowing the thermostat and just going right back. It's like playing snakes and ladders mm. where you fucking end up going right back to the start again. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's a tough one to figure out. But um, I just think that everyone who's thinking about having a devil and taking some risk has to close their eyes and think about what it would feel like if it went wrong. Yep. Make yourself okay with it. And that comes back to like when I when you talk to like stock traders, they the really good ones, they talk about position sizing. So, like, if they've got $10 million and they've got something that they think is a sure bet or whatever, um, you know, they're not, they don't put 100% of their $10 million in still, mm. even when they're really confident, because there's a certain percentage that they know that they might be wrong, and if they get it wrong, you can't go back to zero. It's not worth it, because then you can't have the upside in the future. Yeah. How do you start again if you run out? And it's really important, eh? And we've all got to compare our levels of risk with our individual balance sheets, so assets minus liabilities and our potential to earn income. Yep. Because you look at uh, Drake, he lost a million dollars on the final of the World Cup. Very different uh, position he's in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and people are like, you know, that's a news story, lost a million dollars. But mm. to him, it's probably mm. next to fuck all. Mm. Um, so you, 
Yeah, and that's US dollars as well. I'm pretty Shit, sure. Yeah, I think it was a million. And there was I saw another another, another dude, and he had five hundred thousand US on, and he cashed out for five hundred dollars in live betting, and you know, or might have been five grand. So he rinsed like four hundred ninety-five k in the game. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I mean, you just don't know how that stuff's going to roll, eh? No, but you know, thinking that you're just going to be able to take everything you've got and then risk it. Mm. Is you know even those guys aren't doing it. It's not like Drake lost his net worth no. on the World Cup final or no. this this video streamer or They're whatever. Dabbling with what effectively wouldn't affect their lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you're reading stories about you know or hearing stories at barbecues about oh mate put some money into you know this thing you you you're going to hear the sexy stories. You're probably not going to hear the oh yeah mm. but also like this happened or such and such because usually people that have got those cool stories of oh I crushed it on this they've had a stack of losses or yeah. yeah yeah i don't i don't bump into too many people that tell stories about oh this just this is the only time i've done this and it all went perfect for mm. me and you know and then i've never touched it again mm. you know potentially that does happen but you want to i think in this time you know i've basically um i've increased my contribution to kiwi saver mm-hmm. because i know that that is in there for forever basically yeah. for another 30 years so I'm like forcing myself and I'm trying to get ahead of the averages and, and, and increase that so I can commit to that. And I know that it's probably going to carry on going down, but I'm building a habit that I want to carry on with. You self-select shares as well, eh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm currently down <laughs> for the year. Um, Don't let the pros do it, mate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've got a bit of gold in there. I've been waiting for that to come back, but it just certainly uh, hasn't. Yeah. This is our year next year, I reckon. Yeah, we'll find out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, have some cash, have some emergency fund. I'm not stacking money into sharesies. I've kind of gone, right, I'm, like, I'm sick of pouring it in and yep. just watching it go backwards. Um, and, and it's well diversified. So I like built a portfolio there that I'm happy to keep an eye on. Mm. But I, I, at the moment, again, I'm, I've gone back to, right, you know, I'm going to continue to stack cash because the value of that is worth more to have that liquid so that I can execute on opportunities as they may or may not pop up. And even though I'm going to get hit by inflation, well, it's more, it's worth more to me than the uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah, and that inflation. Yeah, yeah, when you've had the honest conversation with yourself, right, and you're like, I'm quite happy to protect myself from the downside by losing a potential whatever on the upside, just mm. so you've got that security and you know if something does come up, then you can make a choice at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really important. Um, I know I go on about this, eh, but I think it is quite important to get your personal, ex- like, commitments expense commitments down to a level that you know like what it is um like in the back of my head i know exactly how much i can run on if i have to yeah i don't run on that i run pretty lean um but i know that i could like sharpen it up in the space of like two weeks yeah if i had to and it gives me so much comfort mate like yeah knowing that you can do that if if shit gets tight is it just removes all of my downside, really. I'd love to know the percentage of people that listen that actually have some form of active budget that they review or forecast into the next month to be able to figure out how to ma- manage their cash. I, I bet well, it's pretty small still. Everyone who 
listens to Keep the Change podcast will do because they use the budgeting tools on the website. I hope so, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bloody well hope so. I'm going to resend those out uh, in in 2023. So hopefully people pull into that and uh, pull their data into that and then have a good crack at it's, it. But it's actually it's a funny thing when when I started doing that kind of thing. It feels like it's like ah. Uh, Nothing's changing, but it, you've got to turn it into a habit. Yeah. And it actually becomes quite enjoyable, especially when you go and look back at one you did two or three years ago. Mm. That's really cool. Yeah. Because you're like, you can feel all this FOMO of the housing market or Bitcoin or whatever it is, um, but if, and you stay out of it because you're, you know, being careful or getting ready for something. And then when you go back and look at your, you know, budgeting and, and your, or your savings account or whatever that is that you're targeting and it, and it works... Um, it's worth doing. Yeah, <laughs> it and that's feel real good. And that's actually a really good point. That's what is good. The the good that comes of those things is that you might go, well, I'm just not getting ahead fast enough here. I'm not able to save. This is frustrating. Um, it's taken me a year to save eighteen thousand or whatever figure it is. Still, just feels like that's nothing. Those are those conversations that you you're backing it up with data. Mm. So then you go, well. Instead of you can literally risk it all and invest it all and hope that a fucking meme stock goes up or whatever, or you can go something needs to change. Mm. And then you get to start exploring what that is. And I always go back through old notes that I make on my iPad, you know, and go back like years. And sometimes I'm like, fuck, I wonder when I wrote this. And it's interesting how sometimes the notes that I've made 12 months ago are things that I've then gone to do. And I've kind of forgotten that I actually wrote those notes mm. and then gone and made changes based on those notes. And I think, wow, this is now the product of 12 months of that thinking. Yeah, yeah. And I can still remember why I was thinking about this, but I forgot that I went and studied this or reviewed this or thought differently. And yeah. and I'll often come in here and just think about uh, for next advisory sale, I'm like, okay, where do we go to next? And then just run numbers and stuff and think, oh, okay, we're already at that point or the more that you sort of understand things, then you can build out into your future what it is that you need to do so that you can get there or accept that the path that you're currently on isn't going to get you there. Mm. So then something has to change. Yeah, I think it's a great thing to do. I think recording any of that stuff, I'm constantly rewriting my sort of scruffy uh, one to five year outlook, eh? Yeah. Constantly, like quarterly. It's crazy. Smart. But it, it helps, man. Mm. Yep. Rightio. Don't fucking blow all your cash on a bloody meme stock or on a Dogecoin <laughs> or, or something like that. Don't go all in. This is certainly not the time to be going all in, I think. Also, one disclaimer we should make is that you could be listening to this podcast in a completely different macro environment to when we recorded it as well, mm. and things could change. Um, yeah, if you're listening to this in for a year from now, and I'm telling you to like buy as much dog coin as you can, <laughs> nah, I wouldn't say that. But <laughs> but you know, it could be that um, you know you you may there, sometimes there is a case for sort of going all in, but I don't think it's. I think you've got to get your shit in place. You've got to get your foundations in place mm. first. You you kind of know when it's right and when it's wrong. A going all in that is sweet is basically I am going to quit my job and I'm going to focus on building my own. Um, digital arts business for the next two years and I'm going to give people advice around that space. I'm really good at it. I know I'm going to be good at it and you quit your job and you go all in on that and you build out a new life for yourself. Like, yeah, that is the same kind of concept. Mm. But again, you still want to go and analyze your downside risk and try and minimize that. But simply building up a bit of cash and going, I'm just going to throw it at something in the market and hope that 
I clean up, mm. you, you still won't learn anything through that process anyway. Mm. Because even if you turn your 18 grand into 36 grand, well, you're probably then just going to want more things that are going to double your 36 grand. And so that's the path you're going to stay on. Mm. And eventually, you're probably going to come unstuck. Yeah, 100%. I think it's something important to think about and take seriously. Be very careful out there in 2023. I love this tune, eh? It's good, eh? (laughs) And you can stay up. And if you ask anybody where I live, they point to the hills.